Um, grab your Bibles. We are going through the book of John. And, and uh, so the way that we're doing that, we'll take a book and, you know, we will cover the book, but I, I can't promise that we don't take field trips, okay? So today, we, you'll, you'll see once that comes up there that we are on a uh, slow walk through this, through the book of John. But grab your, grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 5. And where we left off last week is we were talking through, we were talking through a story, and it, and it began in, in John chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you'll see this. And depending on your Bible, it, it might title this uh, like a paralytic man or... or or a, like an invalid, or depends on what you see that. But what we have here is there was this man, and it said he'd been suffering, right, with this ailment. And you remember how long it was? 38 years. And it happened to be on the Sabbath, on a Saturday. And then Jesus had asked him this crazy question. Like, do you want to be healed? And the guy's like, well, yeah, but I, I can't get into the water. And then, and then Jesus... In the most amazing ways, like, well, get up, you know, pick up your bed and walk away. And the guy did, after not being able to walk for 38 years. And all the people that watched were, like, amazed. And then Jesus did this kind of do-do-do and kind of went over. Meanwhile, all the religious leaders were like, dude, Billy, whatever the guy's name was, right? Like, what happened to you? I don't know. Well, you're, this is the Sabbath. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. You can't pick up your bed and, and walk away on the Sabbath. And then he's like, well, the guy told me. And they're like, what guy? Right? Like, what guy told you? And he said, well, I don't know. He disappeared. So later Jesus showed up and he, he found him. And he's like, yeah, it was me. Oh, it was you. Yeah, don't sin anymore. And then the guy goes and he, he tells the Pharisees and religious leaders, that was the guy. That was the guy that did it. He violated the Sabbath. So that's kind of where, where we ended up last week was, was that. And now... And now if you take here, then, then uh, verse 15 says, this, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done things on the Sabbath. Right? Like, uh-oh, right? That's not a good plan there. So that's kind of where we're going to take this, this detour here. We'll see if this works now. Thanks for pulling that up. That way you guys can see this. Hope you see it in your Bible too. Um, you'll have to go to the next one. It's not working for me. So here's the verse I just read to you. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, make, making himself equal to God. Can you see why this would upset them? <laughs> and, and a great deal here. Uh, that's where we're going to park today. Where, where I want to take us is, is we're going to end up at this truth. That the truest act of worship, what, what God really wants from his people, is that they would walk humbly with him. And that was the challenge then. It's been the challenge throughout time, and it's still the challenge today. So let me pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, guide us uh, in your truth. Lord Jesus, you are, 
You were not, nothing was created without you and through you all things were created, including me. You're the, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the Lord, the boss, the director, the one who knows us, knows our good and bad and loves us anyway. So I pray that you teach us through this. I ask Jesus, amen. Okay, so Jesus equaling himself to the Father. We go ahead and go to the next slide. We're just going to have to go to that. Jesus is God. Here's part of the challenge here. We go back to John 1.1, and it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Really, I know, those are kind of like the Word, the Word, the Word. If you read on, what you find out is we could actually substitute the Word here for what? Jesus, right? Jesus was the Word of God. He was the exact representation, the expression of God. And so, in the beginning was the Word. This tells us, and other scripture tell us, guys, that Jesus was there at the creation. And also what's written for us to know is that, did you know that through Jesus everything was created? I think it's common for us to think is God the creator, but, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that everything that was created was created through Jesus. And not only that, he's not only the creator, he's the sustainer of that. So go ahead and go to the next slide for me, please. So this idea as, as uh, Jesus as Lord, the idea of Lord, guys, you get this, is kind of a boss, the one who has authority, the one who can command you. But in terms of this language, in this connotation, the word Lord here for Jesus is actually deity. It's God. Now, I, I want you to, to set aside for a minute all that you know about religion and all the Sunday school classes. Let me just ask you as a person. Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll state a couple things. Throughout time, one thing we've noticed is people, they look around and they say, there's something more than me going on. You see that? They look at it, they're like, there's something beyond me moving and, and working. And, and they'll see babies born and people die and, and every day the sun comes up, right? And then when it goes down, the moon comes up. And there's all these stars in the sky. And sometimes it rains. And they, they wonder, none of that I can control. There's some power at play, something supernatural beyond me at work. And so over time, men and women have always tried to identify and name that. Right? Like, give, give, me, give me an example. What kind of things could you look at and say, wow, that's... That's like beyond me. There's got to be some kind of creator or initiator of that. Just nature in general? Yeah. Sunsets, right? Waves, right? Did you go to Fane Lake? There's no waves there. How come they don't got waves? But what the ocean does, right? Yeah. Babies. What else? Music. Something over here? Someone said something else? Life. Gravity, <laughs> right? <laughs> what is it? Thought. The wind, right? Where did it start? Where did it Where's the fan? Where's the fan that's blowing that or some people with some cardboard? I don't know. How is that happening? Right? Like the weather. Like what does that mean? How do you? We're trying to predict that, you know? In space, love, 
Okay. The people that what? Mm. So when you see when you see people doing something that doesn't benefit them, they said for others. Right? I mean, the, the scripture tells us things like everything good comes down from the Father. So, I mean, even down to the technology creations that you love, it had to start with an idea. Where did that idea come from? Who, who planted that idea? Yeah, there seems to be some other thing at play here. And so over time, what kind of things did they, what did they attribute to the creator of things? People, over time. Gods, right? Many gods. Like what you guys said, oh, thought. Who's the, who created the thought? Oh, there's, let's make a thought god. What, what about the sun? Oh, there's a sun god, a moon god, right? What? The food's growing this year, right? You, you plant a seed and does it grow or not? I mean, it, right? You can plant a line of, line of seeds. This one grows, this one doesn't. You could have a herd of kids raised in the same house. They're as different as can be, right? Right? A couple, they could have like, like, Four miscarriages and three kids. What, what happened? How come that worked those times and not this time? The mathematical odds of, of fertilization of an egg. Conception. Then the mathematical odds against actually going full term to having a baby live. And then the odds that that baby doesn't die before they're an adult of some kind of sickness. But us, we just consider that's going to be a guarantee. Oh, so-and-so died at 62. That was so young. Well, maybe for us, but in time, that person has defeated so many odds from, from fertilization now to 62. I mean, that, I wish they had more years, but I know it's their exact amount of time of years. But do you see this? There's something beyond us that we, as much as we try, we can't manipulate. There is God. There is this Father. And now Jesus just said, He's Him. It goes on to say, like, oh, man, well, you know, why are you, why are you healing on the Sabbath? And he's like, the Father was doing it, and I do whatever the Father does. So I'm healing because God did it, and I do what the Father does, because we're one. Wait, God's your Father? You're one? You're of likeness to God? That became offensive, and they began to want to kill him. So, Josh, right, we could just keep going, but, like, let's stop a second, man. I want to I wanna stop. Because what do you think we'll do after John? When we get done with John, what will we do? Study another book. Okay, so you're in a hurry to study another? We'll just do this one, okay? Is that one going to be better than this one? Okay. Let's, let's talk about the implication of this. Now, if Jesus is God, here's one of the problems with God throughout time. All the gods that we made. We couldn't see them. We couldn't connect with them. And they seemed so far off and so impersonal. And it's like, when the weather was bad, they must have been mad. When the weather was good, they must have been pleased. Right? If my child died, they're mad at me. If my child lived, they're happy with me. If the crops grow, we've done something right. If the crops don't grow, we've done something wrong. You see that? So what's your reaction to a God like that? How would you, how would you approach him? What is it? Okay, capricious, yeah? Yeah he's, yeah, he's not kind. There's just fear. There's just fear. And you're left then alone to your own devices. So what you begin to say is, I'll do whatever I can as long as I don't alienate the gods. 
and make them mad. It's kind of like when people are like, well, hey, don't do anything I wouldn't do. That gives you a lot of room, right? That's, that's kind of what that was. That God's like, don't do anything that crosses me. Now, if Jesus is here, let's talk about that, the implications of that. How is that different if Jesus is God and he's here? God that came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. How is that different? God that cares about us. Right? A God that, that lived with us, experienced the same problems, the same good and bad, lived life with us, walked with us, had, had all the limitations, the joys and, and the tragedies of the human life from a baby all the way to being killed. He could relate. It makes his redemption even more awesome. Did, will you say something else too? No. Okay. Yeah. He's personal. How, I mean, okay. Feelings can be deceiving, but let's just let's just be honest about the feelings between the two. This distant, angry God, and then the God that puts himself in harm's way because he loves you that much. How does that feel different? Oh man. Like Emily just said, redeemed. He would care enough about me and my life and my existence and what's happening inside of me to die for me. But not only that, to live again and to lead me. I mean, that's huge. Anything else you want to add? Go ahead and turn the next slide, please. So the, the question is, let's take a step back, Okay. Now, all that's true about Jesus, and, and we, we have a hard time, because if the, the truth of the Bible is like God is worthy to be praised and worshipped, but we struggle with that. It's like, well, why? Ugh, like, what's that mean? No, no, he's important and you're not. He's right, and if you don't agree with him, you're wrong, right? Like, these are not comfortable American-type sayings, like, like, you want me to praise you and worship? Whoa. Right? Like, we don't like that because we take God and we put him where we're at. It's just the truth. Like, he can't be that forgiving or that patient or that true or that powerful. But then when you start looking at creation and you're like, whoa. I mean, I don't know the odds of getting struck by lightning, but if you got struck by lightning, why'd that happen? You know, is that like God? But the fact that I'm not, if you look at the mathematical data, like, if, if the earth's rotation changes very small, then life discontinues to live, right? If one of those meteors, meteors make it through, then it becomes like a Hollywood movie, sort of. But, right, there's tons of things that can make life on Earth impossible, and yet someone's keeping that from happening. And it's not a spaceship and Bruce Willis. Right? But if they did that, they would be heroes for their life. But Jesus does it, and we're like, nah, I'm too busy even on Sunday to talk to you. Right? Like, we don't like that. So what is God really like instead of what we think he is? Well, Romans, Romans 1.20, please understand, God says that his ways are so far above our ways. It's like we can't even see them because we're in a different plane altogether in understanding. And the best we can do is trust that he sees what we don't. 
It's like having a seven-foot friend who can see on top of the counters that you can't on the cabinets, and you can't, right? Like, I'm trusting you that there's not a snake up there, dude, because I can't see it myself. Paul says to the Romans, all of creation declares the glory of God. See, this is helpful, okay? Because I don't know what it's like to be God. I can't see at that level. But now all of a sudden he's saying, listen, all of creation declares the glory of God. God designed everything in creation to reveal what he's like. His invisible attributes, his power, his eternity, his beauty, and his character are all made visible in the things that he's made. So here's a tip. Like, what's God like, guys? What about his creation? Like, I don't know. Do you guys, what do you think? Sunrise or sunsets better? Or the same thing? Sunset, because you don't have to wake up early to see them. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. <laughs> why in the world the oranges and the purples? and Like, why did it have to be pretty? We just needed the sun to go down so we can go to sleep. Like, why be so dramatic about it, God? Right? Why is it so beautiful? Girls, why, do you, why are you so beautiful? Good Lord. Why did you have to be that way? We don't really need you to be that pretty. Right? Guys, why do we have to smell that bad? I mean, why are all these things happening? Why does a hot shower feel so good, right? Like, like this, is, this is God. Like, why, why all this creation? Why, why the waves? Why the beauty of a sunset? Why do the stars twinkle at, in the sky? And as far as we can tell, right, what are they doing for us? We don't even know. But they sure seem pretty. And as a matter of fact, when it's all said and done, this thing that blows my mind is apparently we don't have a sun when we return at home with the Father, but it's still light because he's there. What's that like, right? So why did he even give us that? Why the sun sets? Why the sun rises? But then why do people have to die? Why is, no matter the grace of God, please understand, we're still under this reality that our, our physical world and our physical bodies are dying. And every one of them will be destroyed unless he comes and rescues us before it happens. It's, it's a consequence. It's cause and effect. It's, it's reaping and sowing. There's, there's consequence. Why that then, too? I like the sunset, Steve. I don't like that part. Because it, it tells us about God. He's loving, but he's just. And when he told Adam and Eve, if you do, if you go your own way and go against me, you will start dying, and in your dying, you'll surely die. And it's true. Would you go to the next one, please? So now, here's some ways. I just want to give you some information and bring that back home. Uh, Jesus is described, maybe if we learn a little bit about Jesus, I'm hoping that one of these things might be what you need to chew on. Okay? Because I want this to help you, help you where you are, because each one of us is in what we call in the Christian world on a walk with Jesus. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a walk and it's weird because I'm talking to tons of people because you're not dead, you're not done. And some of you have been at it for days and some of you have been at it for decades, but you're still in process, no matter how smart you think you are, Right? I'm still in process, even though they changed my first name to pastor. Okay? We are all learning. And so I'm praying, Lord, please use one of these things to say, oh, man, that's exactly what I need to lean on right now. 
That's exactly what's been missing from my view of God and view of Jesus. And, and if I could actually, what would it look like if I started acting like I believe that was true? Does that make sense? So first one, Jesus is eternal. What's that mean? Eternal. Always existed. Okay. What is that? Never die. He promised to always live in us, and he's a resurrected. A dead person couldn't live in us, but he's alive, and he can live in us. Yeah. Yeah, what would you say over here? Timeless? Constant. Yeah, because, I mean, the truth is, and it's really hard to get there because the world always wants to know, why did so-and-so die? Well, the Christian view is this. Like, dying is the best thing that can happen to you if you believe. Right? And the worst thing that will happen to you if you don't believe. Okay? That's That's just the truth, black and white truth. We don't like it. But it's absolutely true. That's why there's great strength in what Paul said. Like, what is the worst anyone can do to me? They kill my body? Send me home? Bring it. Like, you could only kill my body. You can't kill the permanent part of me. So it's really weird. But the cool thing is they can't kill Jesus, right? They did it once. He didn't stay dead. Right? And because he actually rose from the dead and he's alive, not a ghost, but alive, that you and I get to follow that path and the Holy Spirit will make us alive again. Only we will be unencumbered by all the annoying things like hair. You guys will look like this instead. And then everyone will be, yes, finally, I don't have to comb my hair. This is heaven. Um, I thought about that one this morning while I was blow drying my hair before I came in, okay? That's where I start my preparation. But he is eternal, so that is good. It's like, oh, man, he sees, he knows what I'm going through. And, and he knows what's true and what's eternal. Because the reality is this God who's close to us, like it doesn't, if you got money problems, Jesus knows that. Like he had to deal with money and finance. You can't get food like you want. He gets that. You have sexual temptation. Oh yeah, you know he felt that. Hang out with professionals at sex, okay? These people were tempting. People dying that you lost. Oh, he gets that. Health problems. Yeah, he gets that. Cold. Yeah, too hot. Too cold, it's like the sanctuary, right? There's never a right temperature, it's always too hot. He gets that. Ingrown hairs, yeah, get that. Broken bones, he gets all of that, right? Like, that is so cool because if he was Zeus with his lightning bolts, he wouldn't care. All alone, he gets that. This is a dude who did all of that, and once he died, he had like 100 people at his funeral, okay? Like, come on. He gets being rejected. You've been betrayed, rejected, left. Yeah, he gets that. Okay, stop now because that's that alone. Just let that ring over and over again. I don't care if you're in high school or high this morning. I mean, really, he gets it. But he's eternal, so he didn't, nothing stopped him. And in his hands, nothing will stop you. Let's go on. The second thing, he's he's present in all places at all times, omnipresent. I don't even get it. 
I don't even get it, how these guys wrote a book through knucklehead men like you and I and maybe women, who knows, depends on what you believe, but, but he wrote this book and it told us about what happened at the beginning of the world, what was happening then and what will happen in the future. And he wrote this 2,000 years ago and this stuff keeps happening, keeps coming true. Like, I don't know how he's present in the future and in and, and the past and right now. But here's one thing I know. I love that my grandma told me this story about one of my uncles. And he discovered this cool little trick. And she told me a few different instances where he would do this thing. He would cover his eyes and then he would do something bad. And he thought, right, that his mom couldn't see him if, if, she, if he couldn't see her. Now, Unfortunately, that's not how God works at times. I wish at times in my life I could have done this simple thing with what I thought or did and God wouldn't see me, but that's not how it works. He, he sees you, but he also sees everyone. You don't like it when it comes to you unless you're struggling. He's seeing that. But he also sees everyone else. And not only now, but in the past, in the future, he knows what happened. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going to happen. How does that help? Amens? Like, tell me. He's with me. It's not a surprise, right? Yeah, he's with you, she said. So you know it's not a surprise to him. And so all that's happening is in his perfect timing, his perfect will, even if it hurts. He understands it. And he knows the way through, right? What's that? Been there, done that. He's even got the shirt, right? Okay, next one. I made a long definition. Hopefully this will help. Having complete or unlimited knowledge, awareness or understanding, perceiving all things. The, the, the word we use is omniscient, right? The, uh, we've been talking about this on Sunday nights. We dig into this more at 4 o'clock. If you want to dig in more to what we talk about, please join us at 4. But we've been talking about this. Jesus knew all these people in John, right? He knew them. He had complete awareness and understanding of who they were. Nicodemus, right? The, the woman at the well, right? The official who had, right, who had a, an ailing son, right? And then, and then now this man, this, this man who paralytic who'd been ailing for 38 years. He knew them. He, out of all the people around that pool, he knew that man. He saw him and understand him. And that doesn't change in this room. He knows us. Why? Because he's God. He created you. You're his idea. My left leg's shorter than my right. I, he, yeah, that was his idea. Well, now I walk like this. Well, that's because in your weakness, he's made strong, right? Like now you depend on him and, and uh, you got a story. He has complete and unlimited knowledge, awareness, understanding. He can perceive all things. How might that help? It makes all your struggles okay because you know he's there. Right? Like, okay, I can't go as far to say there's no such thing as a victim because understand, people's sin hurts you. But you have a God who spoke into existence and spoke into death people and things, okay? So he could stop anything. 
He can restore anything. And on the other end, that's, that's the story, right, of all the people in the scripture. What, what you and your sin, others and their sin, and Satan and his destruction meant for evil, God turned for good. That is awesome. So this is cool. I'm excited about today. You know why? Because Gmail didn't even work this morning, okay? Trying to get the slides there. And look, the slides aren't even working right. We, you know I'm not supposed to share this with you. You know it, right? Oh, man, you know. But God made a way. There's this thing called airdrop, and we're doing it, right? You guys are with me. We're doing this together. He has complete and unlimited knowledge. Like, he's got this. He knows where I'm at. Let's go on to the next one. Unlimited power, authority, ability. Like, how many of you feel limited by your ability? Right? Oh, man. I got rejected for the NBA, Randy. I don't know. Apparently, jeez. Uh, I play what they call angry hobbit basketball under the rim. I'm thinking about start, starting a shoe company called Below the Rim. You know, it's just like, you're not above the rim. There's no jumping there, right? So just not built for that. I have these limitations, but we have a God who is so unlimited, he walks on water, right? A God that takes a sea, which I don't get the sea and why some have salt and some don't. We try to understand it, explain it. Where do the waves come from? What does the moon have to do with that? He gets it, but that dude can actually part it and make it dry enough to walk on. I don't know, but that, that dude could do anything. What's that? Yeah. So how does that help? How can, how can a person lean on that to believe on Jesus, to just put your everything on him? Like, if you don't hold me up, man, I have fallen. There's nothing beyond his ability. Nothing. That's cool, huh? Okay, what about what's next? He doesn't change. He's reliable, immutable. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, because in relationship with people, it's hard. Like your boss or your spouse or your kids, depending on your situation, I can come to a person and be like, how are you doing today? And you're almost like, I can't really tell you until I tell you how everyone around me is today because I'm going to be, I'm going to face the wrath of that today or the benefit of that today of my circumstance. But this is, this is a God you can lead on. Like, you know, he's not moving. He doesn't change. Right? He's patient. He's not slow to act like you and I would count slow, but he's patient. Wanting that not anyone would perish, but that all of us would change our minds and come to him. That we would change our ways and come to him. Like, that's great. How does that help? Comforting? You can trust what? You can trust his promises. It's comforting and you can trust his promises. Yeah. Even back to Adam and Eve. Did he say that you can't eat of that? Well, 
you know, well, he didn't really say that, but he said this tree. It's kind of like, well, can we just put a, a, a little seed of doubt here, right? Like anything, my failure as a parent is I can be kind of wishy-washy. Poor kids, poor wife. But Jesus is not like that. Yeah, you can count on them. Let's go to the, to the next one. Now, okay. So this is great, Will. You're boring me to death with information about God and like, I'm tired, right? And I'm hungry, it's a little warm in here. Okay, now what, what does God want us to do? Now this is a list that we could spend a lifetime investigating based, based on the scripture. Now the direction I want to take you today um, So Jesus is God. We're talking about that. We're talking about the implications. Now, because of his love, right? Because of his love, because of his personal nature, he's invited us to follow us. Follow him, I'm sorry. He's invited us to follow him. But he's he's asking something for us. And and back in the Old Testament, because God doesn't change, just because Jesus came, that tells you God didn't change because Jesus came. The only thing that's happened is now the wrath coming on the world, the Christians could be shielded because Jesus took it on for them. You see that? But here's what God was up to. So Micah is a prophet. And, and part of his message is to the people of Israel because what, what they're finding, as I understand it, based on the history I look at, is they're running into the same problem where people are outwardly appearing to be right and religious. But on the inside, they don't feel that. They're not acting that way. Right? And what's going to happen is their kingdom, their kingdoms are again and again being destroyed. So there becomes this warning. So, so Micah, almost as, as, as what they say, it's almost like this, this pleading for the people. And Micah 6, verse 6 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Now here's how I put the question where we're at. Okay. I know it's a lot of words, so stay with me. You guys good? So what it is, is basically Micah talking to God is saying, what do we got to do? Like, it's really cool, all these things about God that you just said. Okay. Now, I want to be on God's side and team. What do I do? Do you see that? It's like he's coming before him. Like, God, what are you, what are you asking for us, from us? He's asking that. And then it goes on to say things like, hey, you want us to bring certain sacrifices or, or what do you want us to offer? Which is kind of our question, right? Like, yeah, I want heaven. So what do you do? Okay, well, I'll join a church and I'll do this. I'll be baptized, da-da-da-da-da-da. List, list, list. Envelope, Bible brought, Bible stuff daily, invited someone to church, go into big church where I'm going to write on the card pictures, right? So you have that religious checklist which doesn't transform you. And, and so Mike is asking that same question. We want all that you have, all those things about Jesus. I need that. Like, how do I access that the most? Okay. Now, before I move forward, understand that. There's all this goodness and blessing. And, and what I would, I'll summarize it as say is life. Like, really living is with Jesus. Okay? I know that here. But what we have is people who are saying, I believe, and they're not living. And so there's a problem. There's a problem. There's something missing. What's missing? What is it? Faith. Faith. Yeah, it's kind of the obedience thing. Like, this is who God is. He's not changing. Jesus offers that salvation, but he doesn't force you to do things his way. I mean, he can, 
but he gives you this free will. So we have the reality of people who believe in God, even then, thousands of years ago, and now where you see their life and it's like, well, it doesn't seem that lifelike, but they say they have God. So the problem is somewhere in the middle. So this is what Mike is asking. Like, we're your people. You chose us. Where's your goodness? What, what do we need to do to get to your goodness? And then go ahead to the next slide. And then it's, it's as if Micah answers to the people from God, from Jesus himself. It's like, you guys know, he has told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Now I know I've opened a, a, a Pandora's box here of like 80 years of investigation to figure out what all this is, but it, it, like, it makes me think of something Jesus said. Go ahead and go to the next one here. If you're taking notes, if not, you can check this out online and, um, and get these scripture references later. Mark 12, 30. This is what Jesus says when they kind of question him. Hey, Lord, there's all these. It's recorded in a few places in the gospel, but they're kind of asking him. There's so many rules, so many laws. Like, what's the most important? And this is, you know, the answer that Jesus is giving to them. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, could you go back a slide, please? Do you see this? Oh, men and women, right? Like, understand this. This is what the Lord's asking you. This is the pathway to life with him. That you would, that you would walk humbly with your God. And in doing so, you would offer love, that you would love kindness and bring kindness into the world because God's kindness for you. And that you would root for what's just, and you would do the right things as commanded because the best thing you can do is love your neighbor. Right? Mercy triumphs, triumphs, right? Like So God knows he is going to do all the things. We're going to do all the love and obey him. But what gets in the way is often we won't humble ourselves. So go ahead and go. Go to the next slide. The next one. Okay. Steve, C.S. Lewis, man, mere Christianity. He wrote this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right? It couldn't be truer because part of the problem in the Christian world is what we do is we talk about you need to be humble. Right? Like be humble. And so what we think of that is a certain picture. And it's like I walk like this and I'm like, talk real quiet. Right? And for some of you, that really works. And then there's loud mouths like me. It's hard. Right? It's hard to do that. And especially if you're leading people, you can't just simply just be like, uh, you know. So here's the choice. It's like James says this. The half-brother of Jesus said this in, in his letter, James 4, 6 through 7. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Go to the next slide for me. So walk humbly with our God. 1 John 2.16 says this. For all that's in the world, 
the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, the pride of life, which is the opposite of humility, is not from the Father, but from the world. Okay. Here's the distinction. Um, What's going to happen is, if you're seeing pride of life or pride, that's from the world. If you're seeing humility, that's from God. Does that make sense, the difference there? Let's, let's go on to the next slide. Here's the choice that we have. Humble yourself or be humbled. God humbles us when we get proud. Anyone experience that? Can you wait to do that for a little bit? Yeah, just, yeah. You want some help? Yeah. Just leave it like that. Here we go. We're good to go. Okay, so God humbles us when we get proud. Anyone experience that? Yeah. Anyone witness that? Yeah, here's the choice, guys. Here is what I want to talk to you about. Here's where we start. And there's not an answer for this, but this is the starting point. See, the command for Scripture is, is for us to humble ourselves. And I'd heard that taught to me a while ago. When I investigated it, I noticed this to be true. The command wasn't like, be humble. Like, this is something that you've achieved and landed on. Because when you do that, either you're, you're overconfident, you think you're, I'm, I'm so humble. I'm the humblest guy I know. Right? Or you lie and fake it. I'm just so humble, Rick, you know. I'm just going to talk like this. Right? I'm going to, right. But really, inside of me, pride wars. And the world is offering that pride to me. It's the same thing that was offered to Jesus. So the command from the scripture is not to be humble as a matter of personality, but it's, it's a command for us to humble ourselves again and again. And this is so important, right? Because humbling ourselves is a choice we make again and again. And according to Peter, doing so is actually resisting the devil. And how does that connect? Well, who's the author of of all the world systems? Who's the leader of all that? It's Satan. So if the world systems are trying to get you to elevate yourself, right, over others, that's not a thing of God. So can you go to the next slide, please? Now let's let's bring this back home to to the Lord Jesus. You want some help with that? There we go. Cool. So we'll we'll finish this here. Hey, I don't know. Yeah, let's here. Let's just kind of do that here. Um, yeah, it's okay. Hey, we can resist the devil. There we go. We'll just set that here. Hey. It's all right, guys. It's all right. God is the Lord of everything. Okay? Now, here's, here's why to stop here, because I want to start this dialogue. And, and for me, this really hits home, because I find myself having to lead people. Okay? I, I'm, I'm, I help lead the church and a network of churches in my household. And in the church world, it's hard to speak truth and to lead and stay humble. A wife to a husband, it's hard 
to be a good husband and, and, and humble yourself, to be a good wife, that's hard. To be a friend, that's hard. To be a sister, a sibling, it's, it's hard. The Christian life is that God takes care of me so I can put others' needs before myself. But understand that you're going to fight this. And the language of Christians is like, oh, brother, I am feeling it well up. I'm getting defensive, right? I'm getting defensive. I'm getting upset. I'm feeling entitled to what I want. It's going to take a choice, and I'm going to need help. It's going to take a choice to say, I got to put down me right now in favor of what God has, in favor of what God's asking me to do do with other people. And what's really difficult is, okay, if Jesus is God, which he is, he's taking care of everything, and he's personal, so that's great news. He's offering great life, but for us to be men and women to receive the fullness of that life, this is an important piece, to walk humbly with our God. And I can't tell you exactly what that is. And maybe you can't because you're afraid that if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. So what I would ask you to do is, is we'll, we'll kind of sweep back over this next week, but I wanted to just give you this piece and these notes and these ideas, because if we look over those attributes of who God is, then we can find comfort in those areas where we're struggling and know that there is a solution, and the solution is Jesus. But the, solution, the getting to the solution is humbling ourselves. So often we see truth, we see black and white, and I like to describe that as a, as a mountaintop, right? And we want to get to the top of that mountain. We want to get to the top of that hill. But no one helps us on how to get there. This is the how to get there. Today, tomorrow, the next day, we're going to have to walk humbly with our God. Lord, show me. Show me where my pride, my, my uh, sense of like, it's got to be just and right for me. Show me where that's at. Help me to put that down and walk humbly with you. Okay. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And, and what, what, I, what I'm asking is I want to create a little time here. Um, just we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to ask, ask God that, just thank God, first of all, for who he is and for his goodness. And then just ask him to keep working in our lives, that we can be men and women walking humbly with our God. And, and show us how to do that in our day-to-day life. Okay? And then we'll just keep building off of this, of what's happening in John. Well, Lord, uh, we, we are here. Um, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for their, their love and their patience as we get this information out. Thank you for letting us push through every distraction that could be from technology not working and phones ringing and all this stuff, Lord. Um, you are. You're, you're just showing us that whatever plan we have, it's just a plan. But you are a God, you know just what we need. And so let's just put that down, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth and suffering like you did and humbling yourself like you did for each one of us so that you would know what we're feeling and know what we're going through and forgive us for not trusting you enough. So I pray that we would reflect and meditate from our notes and from the slides there about who you are as God. And I pray that I pray that you would build on that, Lord, by by growing that faith and confidence in us, Lord. That you would guide us 
on, on where in our lives we need to humble ourselves and that we would become a people of practice where we're just like, Lord, help me to see this your way. Your will be done and not ours. So help us in all the ways that we need, Lord. Help us with our families and our finances and our health and our, in our church family. Just help us all the places that we go. We trust you and we depend on you, Jesus. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, God with us, in us, that speaks to us, guides us. I pray that your very power, uh, that you would fill us so that we could follow you and lean on you even when it's hard. I pray this, Jesus, because of your resurrection and authority. Amen.